What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. Both of our teams won this weekend, and I am fired up. I have all the energy in the world because the Falcons are winless no more. The 49ers upended the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. Uh, everything is right in the world once again, Evan Sowards. Yo, I, uh, I. I just can't believe we're here. You know, I I, I got to say, Falcons look, you know, it was the Vikings, Kirk Cousins through. All right, we don't have to throw caveats in here right away. I, I, I Listen, I'm not, but I'm not going to. That's what I'm saying. Like, I even though it was the Vikings, the Falcons just straight up look good. Uh, you know, the 49ers had really n- no one expected them to win last night. They've looked so bad as of late. Uh, but they came out and they played like your traditional Kyle Shanahan 49ers football and one, so it's it's a great day for both of us. Victory Monday for both both parties. Victory Monday, I like it because guess what? The rest of my sports weekend sucked. It fucking sucked, Evan. The NFL is all that matters. Nobody cares about baseball. I mean, I I care about baseball and I care about college football and Tennessee and the Braves lost this weekend in yeah. horrible horrible fashion. But your Ducks, they're coming back in a week or two. It's about yeah. It's just a matter of time. That's the reality that you have to understand. Is in order to get the Falcons to win, that was the sacrifice, right? The Falcons were were winless for so long that in order for you, to, you know, Chase Thomas to to get that win, everything else in your life had to go wrong. I feel is good it about worth my it? Hunch about Raheem Morris. If you listened to last week's pod, you might remember that I was very high on Raheem Morris and that I just the research that I'd done on him, the pieces in the undefeated how players look at him and naturally rally around him. And when the concern is that players may like coach X too much, that tells me that's like the all time great interim coach. That's like the NFL equivalent of Ed Ordron, where when he got the interim label, he was just so good at USC and everywhere else he was that like he, people were like, are we sure he's just not really good? But um, I think Raheem Morris has entered that level where he's just going to get those guys fired up. And what's frustrating is that, this is who the Falcons could have been all year long. Like, this is how good they are. This is, like, why I was just kind of shaky on firing Dimitrov. It's just that, like, this roster is still insanely talented. And when Julio Jones is healthy and on the field, Matt Ryan throws four TDs. Matt Ryan throws the ball over the place because of the gravity that Julio presents. I mean, Hurst went 457 in a touchdown. Gage went 465. Ridley 661 in a touchdown. Like, Julio just goes over 100 and... We just think nothing of it. He's just, he is the most underappreciated star receiver, um, I think, in the last 20 years. And I just, it's just nice having him play football for my team. It's nice just watching Julio Jones and Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley play well. It's nice just watching the offensive line play well. It's nice just winning a dominant football game on the road to a team that we have really, really struggled with. Um, over the last couple of years, um, great history there, obviously, uh, winning in Minnesota to go to the Super Bowl in 98. And then, uh, Michael Vick splitting 
uh, two Minnesota Vikings defenders in overtime to win uh, a few years later. But um, yeah, I, uh, I, I could not believe how good they were, but also just like, you know, I, I had a hunch that Raheem Morris was going to turn this season around. I mean, we're going to be out of the, uh, we're going to be out of the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields sweepstakes, but uh, you know, this is, uh, this is what it is because guess what? This roster is too talented. They're not the Jets. They're not the Giants. They actually have talent everywhere. Deion Jones was back to being a monster. AJ Terrell looked a lot better this week. Um, I feel good. Yeah. I mean, you, when, when Julio Jones is scoring touchdowns, you know, things are going well for the Falcons. Um, but it really, you know, it really was exactly what you needed. It, it just sucks that it had to come to this. I, I was telling you guys to fire Dan Quinn weeks <laughs> ago. Uh, you know, it is no, once again, I think most people can definitely say this out loud and believe it. Dan Quinn is a really great guy, really nice guy, very well respected. He just wasn't the dude, shouldn't have been a head coach. And that's okay. There's a lot of defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators that have their careers ruined by trying to become a head coach. Adam Gase <laughs> is awful in all aspects, but at least he had some respect as a coordinator. He will he might not even get a job as a coordinator anymore because of what he's done as a head coach. I think he might have to go full Jim Zorn. I think that's where he's uh, headed. 100%. So and so when you look at Dan Quinn you know, it is too bad, but I think people respect him enough where he's going to get a defensive coordinator position. Uh, you know, is he a head coach ever again? Who knows? But does he need to be? Maybe not. Maybe he can just be an incredibly good defensive coordinator. And that should be enough. I mean, obviously, you know, when you get Maybe to that level, I'm Chaplin. sure. Right. I mean, it's it just it, it's to no fault of his own, but it was the best thing for the Falcons. Obviously, the Falcons have got some nice momentum. Scoring 40 points in any game is ne- in the NFL is never easy, and they did it, and they've got some good momentum going into next week. All right. I just – Kirk Cousins throwing that pick on the first play, and if you look at the screen grab, um, I think uh, – what who had it that uh, had this great grab of just what Kirk Cousins was looking at and just Deion Jones is just sitting there waiting for Kirk Cousins to throw this pass, and he's throwing a lot more picks this year. Like – Kirk Cousins, I didn't see this just self combustion coming. Like I, I don't, I don't understand what's happened to him this year. Well, you know, Kirk Cousins has always been right. He's just kind of good enough. He can put up good numbers in a system. You know, whatever. It's very much so like plain Greek yogurt, right? No flavor. Has a purpose. Might not be your a purpose you want, but Make it has move. a purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah, stress you out. Uh, but Kirk Cousins, I mean, the worst version that we were all like in joking he might become is is literally where you're at. Uh, I just at this point, the the Kirk Cousins contract will be go will go down as one of the worst contracts I think in NFL history. When you think about the guaranteed money and you know what they've gotten from him so far, uh, but you know not all not all is lost. In Minnesota, Justin De- Jefferson looks like he might be one of the best, if not the best, receivers, uh, rookie receivers in the NFL right now. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Minnesota, we're we're gonna call Eric Thompson, friend of the pod, Daily Mort- Norseman, to uh, to get some insight and just hear him say the f word a lot. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know what to say about this Vikings team. Uh, it's just 
they are the biggest stunner to me in the NFL season. I don't know if there's any NFL team that I'm more stunned about their their start to the season in the Minnesota Vikings. Is there a better option for you? Um, I don't know. Probably not. But at the end of the day, they're going to pull 49ers, except for they didn't have to lose their qu- quarterback to an ACL injury. And they're going to get a great pick next year with a pretty good, you know, a pretty solid team. So it'll be interesting to see. But like I said, Eric's going to come on. We could talk about that a little bit later. We've got a lot to talk about in terms of uh, some really crazy games. They're all the games this week. Remember, we talked about this being a really bad week of football. We got some fun games, didn't we? We did. And we have two today. We have a game kicking off at five o'clock Eastern time today, two o'clock your time. You have football more today. You, you get more football today. Yeah, um, yeah I am. Um, I got to get to you though with the the Niners. Like what what happened last night? The the game last night. A lot of people were watching the World Series, myself included. So for us who just watched it back this morning, um, what happened? Yeah. For the Forty ers how did Jimmy Garoppolo just murder the Los Angeles Rams uh, through short yardage plays? <laughs> Yeah, so that's what it was, right? The short yardage plays were amazing. Uh, we got to look at it right as they call themselves the Yak Bros uh, for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a lot of things uh, to talk about in terms of like statistics and things like that. But let's talk about some of the really mo- the more exciting things. Jason Verrett one, at, at one moment was considered one of, if not the best cornerback in the entire NFL when he was in San Diego, has gone through multiple injuries uh, this year. He has a lot of passer rating of 7.8. He has the best in numbers in the NFL for passer rating allowed. Jason Verrett is back, and that is huge for a 49ers defense that has been missing Richard Sherman. And I'm very excited for Richard Sherman to come out, come back for those play for those two to play together. Okay. So first and foremost, that was a big deal, right? Then you have to look at the passing, right? But it was George Kittle, Debo Samuel, or obviously the new guy, Brandon Ayuk, right? These are big, big deals in terms of Jimmy has been just basically asked to do what? Short, efficient passes. Does it remind you anything? The West Coast offense, right? Good run game, short, efficient passes, set up the deep ball. We're still working on that deep ball. But in the 49ers game against the, the Rams, let's let's say what's really important here. Aaron Donald is the most dominant defensive player in the NFL. Is that fair? Uh, no. I, I guess most dominant defender, yes. I would not okay. say he's the most dominant so, player. I think Patrick Mahomes is the most dominant player in the NFL. But, yes, I, I get your point. So, most dominant defensive player in the NFL. Yes. Let's say that. Okay. Um, he got completely shut down last night. Mm-hmm. A holy. 100%. We don't even have a good offensive line, but he got shut, shut down. Yeah, the for, for what... Chase is referring to at the end of the game while being interviewed, say, what's, you know, what is the plan for a guy like Debo Samuel? And he goes, who's that? <laughs> or he goes, who? And they go, the wide receiver. And they go, who's that? He got shut out. Debo Samuel had his game, scored a touchdown, got after it. But Aaron Donald got shut down, period. And that's huge. 
I don't know how they did it. I, I to, to, I'll have to watch the game like six times over because I still don't understand how it happened. Uh, but Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle who struggled lately, had the best run blocking grade in the NFL yesterday. Um, you know, the guards, uh, they, there was a lot of double teams on Aaron Donald and it worked. Uh, he just could not get to Jimmy. Jimmy, with having a good offensive line and obviously not nearly as injured on that ankle and was able to plant the foot more, uh, was able to really, you know, really have just a very solid game through for three touchdowns, right? Um, you, when you look at the receiving options that the 49ers now have, Kittle had 109 yards, averaging 15 yards, you know, had a long of 44. Debo Samuel, Averaged 11 yards a carry. Kendrick Bourne averaged 22 yards a carry, right? Like big things happen. Brandon Ayuk scored a touchdown. Debo scored a touchdown. Kittle scored a touchdown. Those are your three star offensive players all scoring touchdowns. When you see that happen, you know that the 49ers are getting getting moving in a good position. In the beginning, the first half of the game, Raheem Mostert was dominant. Uh, He ended up hurting his leg. uh, Got got kind of a bit of an ankle injury. And didn't play for the second half of the game, uh, which was a bit of a struggle because Jarek McKinnon really is just, you know, he, it's a good person to have, good backup to have, but uh, he's just not there. Uh, Jermichael Hasty, who's an undrafted free agency or agent, which we know when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, it means it's a gold find somewhere deep down that no one knew about, and he'll become an all-pro running back eventually. Uh, he looked really good last night and had a lot of explosion. So you had a very good balance. I mean, they ran the ball 36 times. So <laughs> 36 times. And, you know, Kyle specifically said out loud, when we run 30 plus times in a game, that means we're doing what we want to do and we're setting the tone. And I think that's what the Rams wanted to do too. Obviously, you know, Sean McVay, very similar coach. Uh, you know, if you look at their their goal last night, right, they ran the ball uh, 19 times. Um, you know, 19 passes for receptions for the Rams. So obviously it was a pretty even, uh, you know, split in the beginning of the the game. But I'm so at a loss for words. I'm like stuttering and mumbling through this because I don't know how it happened. The 49ers have looked awful. Now, granted, they've had injuries, uh, but they just came out and they did everything perfect last night. Everything that they had in game plan worked well. I mean, I just – yeah, it just was – it looks like the 49ers season might not be over yet. Might have, still might have, uh, Like, the playoffs are not out of the question. Yeah. For them. Well, so let me just say this. Last week when I said this team is not going to the playoffs, it wasn't because they didn't have a statistical chance to get there. It was the teams in which they play left – there's no way if they're losing to the the Dolphins, if they're losing, uh, you know, to the Cardinals, if you're, you're, these are the teams they're losing for. There's no way that that team beats the teams that we have left. They have the strongest schedule in the NFL. But this team that beat the Rams last night changes things. They play the Patriots next. The Patriots got beat by the Broncos. I'm pretty sure the 49ers have a chance at the Patriots now, which really changes it because then you're going four and three. Uh, Going up, you know, going into the the week where they play Seattle, so it changes things a lot. Hmm. I'm excited. But here's the thing: this the is one, just good. I the, like that the Niners season is just not going to be a depressing dumpster fire because now the NFC West just gets very tasty with this bounce back win. So the them. the things that I want to just 
finish on when it terms of the 49ers and the things that we've talked about all season. First and foremost, Jimmy got to throw the ball again, which I've said you have to get Jimmy comfortable if you want him to throw the ball because there's going to be times when it's in which he needs to make some big time throws, you know, and, and you need him comfortable there. He's still terrible at the deep ball, but I just think that's something they're going to have to keep pushing and they're going to have to get him used to. Uh, fourth and two last night. A very clutch play, throwing the ball to George Kittle with a defender in his face, basically doing a pirouette as he threw, as he released the ball and got hit, went for a touchdown, right? So those are the big-time 2017 Jimmy plays that we know he can make, right? Sitting in the pocket, quick release, getting the ball out of his hands fast. Like, those are all very important things for Jimmy Garoppolo's play, and we saw that version of him last night. Kyle didn't force the run. He definitely established the run. He made sure that he was getting 30, you know, his 30 rushing targets, but he still tried to get the ball to his playmakers. And I think that's what's important. And that's something that they'll grow on. Robert Saleh, though, that to me is the most impressive thing of the night. Now, granted, he got yeah, some corners back all, cornerbacks back all year. And I'm still not officially changing my tune there. They played a very good game, but Jared Goff is kind of a trash quarterback. He looked bad last night. He missed Mm. some very simple throws. Um, But I will say, for a guy like me who is so out on Robert, we saw a very good game plan last night. And the corners played well. They got good interior pressure. Uh, The edge, they're still not getting any rushing off the edge, and that's okay. Uh, it's probably not going to happen when you have D Ford and uh, Nick Bosa gone, but they played a sound game last night. You know, they, they held them to, to a, a reasonable amount of points. It was just good football all around. We'll, we'll need to see a lot more from Robert Sala. Um, they scored 16 points last night. We'll see, but it was good to see him. You know, let me just say this. If if Jason Verrett is out on an island shutting people down, if Richard Sherman is going to be shutting people down, that makes his job easy just the same way that last year Nick Bosa being able to create so much pressure that the cornerback jobs were easier, right? That makes Robert's job easier. But this is a good start. So we'll look to next week when they play uh, their worst nightmare, a mobile quarterback and Cam Newton is a mobile quarterback. Mm. Well, that's a natural transition to what I want to talk about next because the new England Patriots are two and three for the first time since Oak two, which I believe was Brady's first year under center for the Patriots. Um, I want to talk about the good and the bad with Cam Newton because I obviously, there was good. uh, There was good. Yes. Because like, the offensive line was really bad in this game. So if you go back and watch a lot of it, Cam was running for his life a lot. So he got uh, eight quarterback hits and four sacks. The The absence of Dante Scarmecchia is obviously weighing on this offensive line. They have a lot of injuries. They moved two different starters to different positions on the offensive line in this game. So Isaiah Wynn was out of position. I don't know why they're mixing and matching, I guess, because of injuries. But um, that was a gigantic factor in what was going on up front. But also just like... <sighs> The Patriots just not doing anything about the wide receiver and tight end position this offseason and just being like just missing on Nikhil Harry when you look at who went after him in that draft really hurts. And obviously Cam missed Harry wide open on that fourth and 10 to keep the game alive. 
which is bad. But, I mean, he still completed 68% of his passes. He had two bad picks, took some sacks, but he still had 10 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. He was still doing what he could on the ground. I don't blame him for what happened here. Like, the running game could never get going. They don't really have a lot of options there. Sonny Michelle was a bad first-round pick. He's just not the guy. Um, they don't have talent. Like, Julian Edmonds, like, four catches in the last two weeks. Like, he's doing nothing for this offense right now. They don't have any tight end guys. I just... I think Cam is going to get unfairly criticized this week by Boston sports media and people who just did not watch a lot of this game. But what I took away from it was that like, there's a lot of good with Cam still, but like he's not good enough to just throw these guys open to deal with a bad offensive line at this point. Like there's just, he needs more weapons and the Patriots have to do something because now they're two and three and the Dolphins are playing 500 football. The Bills are clearly the best team in this division right now. Like, I don't know. Like they, they, there needs to be a sense of urgency in New England. And I, I don't know. I think Cam was not the problem here. What do you think? Well, so let me just say this to the things that you've said while we've been on this podcast talking, when you said Cam is going to have an MVP season. Part of me is saying I think that's ridiculous because Cam's coming off of injuries and you know has kind of struggled a little bit. But part of me is also saying that because they have a terrible group of skill position players. Their running backs are garbage. Their <laughs> receivers are garbage. James White, I mean, that's just a guy that did well because Tom Brady was Tom Brady, right? Rex Burkhead is a guy that did well because Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Cam Newton is a good quarterback, and I think he still has a very viable way to be Cam Newton, right? Rushing for 76 yards and getting a touchdown, having a long run of 38, like that's Cam Newton, right? But (laughs) Izzo, Bird, right, Zuber, these are guys I don't even know who they are. And so when you miss on a receiver like in Keel Harry and he's just looked really not good – all year, all last year, and then the rest of your receivers are garbage, that's just what you have to expect. I mean, I I just don't know what they expected. I I didn't even think Tom Brady played that well last year, but he had continuity, right? He had the experience of throwing to Julian Edelman for years. Like, he could do that with his eyes closed, right? Same with Rex Burkhead, same with James White. So – I just don't see the Patriots doing anything special this year. Now, if you get Cam some weapons, who knows? Do they do that this year? Do they think Cam is worth that? What does Cam Newton look like next year? Do they want to keep Cam Newton on the roster after next year, right? So the one thing you have to understand with the Patriots is they're always thinking long game. And without having Tom Brady under center anymore – their their haste or that their interest in making those like right now moves to get him a skill position player, I just don't know that they'll be doing that for Cam Newton. I don't know. It's it's murky right now, and I think we saw what they thought they could do and win a lot of games this year in Week One, right? Where Cam just ran. They were basically running the Navy midshipman offense. That's what I think they thought they could get away with, with their group. And it's clear that they're not going to be able to get away with that. And also, Drew Locke is back for the Broncos, and he was good. 
I thought Drew Lock. He had a bad pick late that got the Patriots still in the game, but like he was throwing dimes and he could have had three touchdown passes in this game that were dropped by like Sean Hamilton and different guys. But um, he, I thought. Did he you say solid. Drew Lock looked good? He did. So for the for those listening, <laughs> Drew Lock was ten for twenty four. Okay, threw for a lot of drops. Eighty nine yards. You have to look at the drops. You have to look at every throw. I'm telling you, and, go and watch every and throw. because and two interceptions. Yeah. One of them was his fault. The other one wasn't that bad. I, I'm just telling Drew you. Drew Locke did not look good. <laughs> I, I the disagree. Context matters at all times. Mm-hmm. Context always matters. But Drew Locke, with context, did not play well yesterday. The Patriots have, I think, uh, they still have a decent, uh, um, you know, they still have a decent, decent defense. Stephen Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore is obviously one of the best cornerbacks yeah, in the and NFL. Yeah, Jackson are pretty, uh, pretty solid. Jonathan Jones. But you have to understand that the Denver Broncos beat the Patriots by only scoring field goals. Brandon McManus beat the Patriots. He got paid and he's delivering. McManus. Philip Lindsay rushed for 23 times. Royce Freeman, 8. Spencer had a carry. That's a total of 32 carries. 32 carries. Drew Locke had, did nothing yesterday. <laughs> 32 carries. I, I'm Six just saying, just goals, watch, watch the throws. I, I, I like Drew Locke. I, I, I thought he was, <sighs> he was good. I, I think Drew Locke is... It, it's just a, a mismatch between the stat sheet and what I saw um, watching the game. Um, Can you imagine what would have happened had Cam Newton been able to throw, through, throw to Tim... Uh, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Royce Freeman, Shante ha- Hamilton, yeah. right? Like, come on. That's, I mean, yeah, what are we doing? that's fair. Um, the Browns go down in Pittsburgh. Um, I think you picked the Browns this week. I, it was too good to be true. The Browns, 4-1 start for the first time in forever. Um, riding this hot wave. And uh, Baker had been hurt all week, nursing a rib injury. He probably shouldn't have played. I'm just going to go ahead and say, based on what we saw right away in this game, Minka Fitzpatrick just being an absolute mammoth. Like you, the way you talk about Aaron Donald too, I think Minka Fitzpatrick's getting close to that as a just a, a secondary guy, right? Like he is just he is Minka's a difference a maker. And uh, yeah, so I have an interesting Brown stat for you in Cleveland or for or, or okay. in Pittsburgh. Are you ready for this? Uh huh. This is coming from John Breach at CBS Sports. Um, since returning to the NFL in 1999, the Browns are now just 1-20 in Pittsburgh, including this loss. The Browns haven't won a game at Heinz Field since 2003, and they've never beaten Mike Tomlin in the Steelers stadium going 0-17. How is that even possible? So here's the thing that I will say. As a, as a Odell Beckham Jr. fan and a fantasy football owner. Fuck Baker Mayfield. Oh, no. I'm You're just turning out all of the him. young white quarterbacks. I'm tired him. First off, race has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm so tired of watching Baker May- Mayfield football games and seeing more Baker Mayfield commercials during that pro- broadcast than completed passes. I'm tired of it. He has some of the best weapon- weapons in the NFL. <laughs> He is throwing to 
Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Odell Beckham Jr., David Njoku. He gets to throw. He has Kareem Hunt to run the ball. One of the, you know what I'm saying? Like, Lost Nick Chubb. And even still, he completes 10 passes. He <laughs> throws 119 yards. He gets benched for Case fucking Keenum. Baker Mayfield is just Johnny Manziel without a drug addiction. Literally all we're at. I mean, it's it's tell me how much you think the QB play has gotten better since Baker Baker Mayfield has joined. I mean, he's the best the Eagles quarterback four and that two. Browns have had in twenty years. That doesn't mean anything. I, I'm just saying, Bakers can't be choosers. So when Browns fans get a little antsy about Baker, I'm like, he's still the best quarterback you've had in your lifetime, probably. Like, just just settle yeah, down that, a little bit. Let him get through this injury. And the best quarterback he's regressing. The, yeah. The, so I will say this. The only thing I will say, uh, they had a very 49ers esque move, right? Like last week when Jimmy, who was coming off a high ankle sprain, played. Mm-hmm. Couldn't plant the ball on his foot. Halfway through the game, they pull him, saying it's just the injury was too bad. Seems to be that was the case for Baker. If he really is injured, we'll see what happens if he comes and plays healthy uh, next week. But you know, it's just such a Browns thing. <laughs> it's such a Browns thing to be four and one, have some hope, and then come in and shit the bed. It's such a Browns thing to only score seven points. It's just such a Browns thing to get just torched by the in the Steelers they look good you have been a big Steelers guy all year I have year. been a big Steelers Chase guy Claypool. all season and I feel rewarded for backing Pittsburgh as the best team in the AFC all year I feel good about it yeah I I mean they look good about it they they do look good they're good uh, everywhere where is their weak spot big. honestly their weak spot I, whew, it's hard to find one. That's what really, I'm saying. Their weak spot the was the receivers, the but then Chase, their weak, their weak spot was the receivers to me. But then Chase Claypool came in and he's been incredible. I think it was like something like he had six touchdowns in a in a, in a matter of like 22 catches. Um, he's looked great. He's a, he has looked he's great. Legitimately, James Washington to one. me. James Washington for me is playing above his means. He's had a really good season so far. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. Eric Ebron is not doing anything. That was kind of what I expected. Juju Smith-Schuster is proving again to be a guy that can't really do much unless he's the number two. But now he's not even asked to be the number two, and he's still struggling. I just – I don't know. The Steelers are 5-0. and They just they just scored 38 points on the Browns. They, they get their credit. Shout out to Pitt. Never doubted you guys. Um, the game of the week, the Packers get steamrolled. Aaron Rodgers hip thrusting after going up 10-0 early. Did not age well. Um, they end up not scoring any points after that. The Bucks win 38-10 to here. Um, I think Brady enjoys his new weapons. I think he, uh, he enjoys his new weapons here. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I got to say... Having them go up 10-0 against the Bucks, I was like, yeah, this is about what I expected. Rodgers was looking pretty surgical. They didn't score a point for the rest of the game. They scored the Brady scored four touchdowns in the second quarter alone. 
you know, you know, when Rogers did his uh, key and peel, obviously <laughs> it was the, 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 the key and peel uh, video, you know, where they're doing the, the touchdown celebrations and, and three pumps is, is a penalty kind of thing. You know, after I saw that, I was just like in my head, like, I love the fuck you Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. It's my favorite thing. It has been so great to watch. And immediately afterwards, Tom Brady goes to work. You know, and Tom Brady didn't even really have that spectacular of a game, right? 7 of 25, 166 yards, two touchdowns, right? Decent, doesn't really throw the ball much. But the things that you did see happen are the things that are like the Tom Brady like excitement pieces. Gronk back, Gronk spike, Gronk, Gronk get touchdown, Gronk happy, right? 78 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Gronk got his first Gronk spike of the year. Uh, that is always good. Mike Evans uh, was, you know, sh- Mike Evans had one yard, uh, literally one. So realistically speaking from an offensive standpoint it really wasn't that exciting of a game uh but it worked out exactly how they needed it too um you know the the buccaneers throttled the packers <sighs> the dichotomy between what brady is dealing with in tampa versus what cam is now dealing with in new england is is staggering um they just they have weapons everywhere and this bucks team is legitimately good but also their defense is good for the first time in a very, very long time. We can't say enough about this Bucks defense, who came to play and were not scared of Aaron Rodgers in this offense. Um, they limited everybody. Jones, Rodgers, they got off to a bad start, but like that pass rush is legit. And look, man, they have talent everywhere. It, it's finally come together for that Todd Bowles defense. Yeah, really is. And hey, that can be Dan Quinn's life. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like that can be Dan Quinn can go do that now. It's his time. New segment we're going to unveil this week. Uh, Matt Sauer or Evan Sauer. So why did I say Matt? Uh, Matt Green from last night. Um, oh shit! Time to panic. Team of the week. It's the Washington football team who lose to the very very bad New York football Giants. Um, I they're bad, but like this is this is just extremely bad, and I just. I watched enough of this to be like, oh, I I think that it's just, this is exceptionally bad. They should not be this bad, right? It, like, it would, if you're a Washington fan at the moment, are you just coming away on Monday like, who, uh, are we sure about Ron Rivera and Turner and this roster and this coaching staff and the future of our team? Are we sure that this is all going okay? Well, so let's say this. Let's talk about things that aren't necessarily football-related first. The Washington football team changed their name from the Washington Redskins, as it was considered a very racist name, uh, in an effort to really finally make change. Investors started giving uh, Snyder some heat, right? So they finally change it. Washington football team, uh, you know, they're in the midst of that, right? So that's not football-related, but it's a good step in a in the grand scheme of making us not hate that organization as much as we do right uh then you look at ron rivera uh you know obviously ron rivera has uh some you know things outside of football right um that he is currently dealing with and and it's not 
you know, how do you how do you have cancer fight cancer and coach football? Is that affecting their team? No, I'm I you know, I won't say that it is or isn't, but you know, Ron Rivera is coaching with cancer can't be easy. Okay. Uh, you have some, some exciting things and seeing Alex Smith come back and, and you have, you know, there's things outside of football right now that are, uh, some, you know, pretty strong stories. Uh, I don't think any of us should be expecting them to win this year. I don't think any of us really expected them to play well this year. Uh, you, Obviously, you have to figure out what's going on with Dwayne Haskins, where they're literally not even – like he's not even dressing up. This is a guy you drafted in the first round. So there's a lot of questions, uh, but they are a rebuilding team. Uh, they like Antonio Gibson. They like Terry McLaurin, right? They've got a Can couple pieces here and there. Sure. Can you name the other two starting wideouts for the Washington football team right now? Um, I mean, I know they have Dontrell Inman, but that's just only because I, I was seeing watching the game um, the other day. But yeah, I mean, they have. I think they're they're also like fielding Logan Thomas, the tight end, right? Like it's he is their starting tight end. They, they're yeah, they're they're struggling, right? I mean, there is a I know Jerick McKiss by the name of Marcus Bow, who is one of their starting wideouts and college free agent from this year, Isaiah Wright. Along right. Learned. I have no idea who any of those two players are. So, yeah, but my point is this. We don't need to expect much. It uh, looks like the Washington football team might end up be picking uh, very high this year. There's a lot That's of bad my point, football teams. I think they're so- a sneaky worst team in football <laughs> this year. I think they have an opportunity here to really climb up the rankings. The Jets are going to do what they can, but I think uh, Washington has a chance to really ensure that they're in the top three. You know what I personally think? Mm. I think they should trade terry mclaurin really one of the best receivers in the nfl last year uh absolute uh star you know i think if you can get a first round pick or a couple picks column this team is rebuilding this team is rebuilding hard and you know a team rebuilding like this would be very smart to not waste a receiver that will not anytime soon be having the chance to make them win football games. So, you know, they don't usually do that. And I am just a guy on a podcast. Uh, so, but I, I, I just don't understand what they're going to, what their plan with him is. I mean, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, Mr. Sowards, what is your, what the fuck moment of the week? 49ers beating the Rams. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that I could say, what is the what the fuck moment of the week, right? That we could really talk about, right? We could talk about the crazy ending to the Giants game, right? We can talk uh, about the Bears being five and one. They're the right? worst five talk- and one team I have ever seen in my life. It sucks so much that they're five and one. I hate it. You know what's even worse we- is Bears fans hate it too. They don't even like watching this team. They hate them just as much as we all do. No, they have no idea what's going on. And, you know, you have to look at that in terms of like the it's it's yeah, it's just the huge what the fuck moment. The Jets being 0-6 is not a what the fuck moment. But the what the fuck moment for me is that Adam Gase is still gainfully employed by the New York Jets. Uh, There's plenty of what the fuck moments this week. But the biggest to me really has to be watching the 49ers over the last three weeks look absolutely terrible beyond repair season ending. And then having them come out 
against a Rams team that has been killing it. One of the best offensive DVOA teams in football. And they just put in that work. They made Aaron Donald uh, look like Solomon Thomas. And that is something I never thought I would have ever said in my entire life. Uh, So the fact that the 49ers were able to go on Sunday night football and, uh, and do that is just, I'm confused, (laughs) kind of excited, a little horny, very confused. (laughs) All right. I like it. I like it. Um, Soward says it's time your hottest NFL take coming out of this weekend of football. What is it? What is your spiciest take, Evan? Mm. I just think as a whole, and we talked a little bit about this right now. Um, I think that the NFL records are not a good indicator of how the end of the season is going to look. I think you look at teams right now, like the Titans are 5-0, and the Steelers are 5-0, and right? The Falcons are 1-5. Um, you know, you see the 49ers be three and three, right? I think a big problem that we've had this year is they had no preseason. They had no, you know, official training camps. It's, it's really not the same. And I think the records we see right now are not an indicator of how the playoffs will look. I think we're going to see teams really start to find their, their stride and play a lot better in the second half of the NFL season. Um, and, and I think that's something that we all need to pay attention to because there's some teams right now, like the Colts, who are four and two, and uh, Chase's favorite Pittsburgh Steelers, who are five and zero. Oh, and I don't think they're playing that well. And I don't think they're as good as their record state. The Chicago Bears are five and one. And the only way the Chicago Bears with Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky could ever be five and one is if it was during 2020 the most what-the-fuck year in the history of mankind. And I think you're going to see things start to change as the NFL continues and and people get, uh, you know, comfortable. The Bills are one of the most dominant football teams in the NFL. Josh Allen looks like one of the most dominant football players in the NFL. None of this makes sense. I don't believe it. It's all a sham. And I think by the end of the season, we will see uh, some truth come to light and, and, and reality set back in as 2021 gets closer. I like it. I like it. Um, and last thing before we call Eric, uh, Chase's case for Thomas Dimitrov. I uh I think he should go to Houston. I think Houston he deserves one more GM job. And that Houston job I don't think is going to be as appealing as some might think if you listen to Breer on Rusilla's podcast this week. Um just the the kind of influence that Jack Easterby, the the former chaplain for the Patriots has in that organization um is going to make things complicated. So it seems like they're going to go with the Patriots guy anyway. So if you're going to do that and Pioli not available, I just, just hired Dimitrov. Just, just bring him in. Just let him work some cat magic. Let him rebuild the talent on that group because he did have the most talented roster in football just two seasons ago. And I think he would actually be very good for that organization. I think he, he'd be a smart hire. Like I, I would not hate a, 
Dimitrov McDaniels situation in uh, in Houston after this year. I, I would not. I think that would not be the the worst thing they could do. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel bad for the Texans because they have no draft picks. I mean, they do, right? Obviously, they've got some picks that they got for, uh, you know, Hopkins, but they really got rid of their first. Oh God, it's so sad to even say out loud that they have their first round pick will be going to another team. It's so sad. Um, you, 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 and me are on the same page. I feel bad for the Texans. Uh, the Texans are like your friend in high school that like, you know, wasn't as popular or didn't get to come out to all the cool parties. And you're like, I want to bring you there. I want you to be a part of excitement and happiness. But like they just don't really belong. And I think that's kind of where they're at right now. I just don't understand. I mean, Bill O'Brien fucked this team up bad, very bad. And it's not going to be a quick fix. So. I think Dimitrioff really does deserve that position, and I think it is a good fit for them. I just hope that the ownership and fans and Deshaun Watson and whoever else is involved understands that Bill O'Brien lit things on fire and peed on everything on his way out, and it's going to take some time to get things back together. So I hope they're all cognizant of that and patient. Maybe they can get back on the right track. Do you have... uh... This week's uh, numbers in front of you. Two, one, go. Yeah, so we'll read them off. Uh, you know, I obviously got tricked by Chase by picking the Texans. Uh, they obviously lost, so Chase won there. Um, in terms of the Ravens, uh, you know, we obviously both chose the Ravens, um, which worked out pretty well, although it did kind of scare me they came back towards the end. Uh, we both picked the Vikings to win, which did not happen. Oh, my God, they're so bad. Uh, you know, I chose the Browns. You chose the Steelers. You were right there. I still don't buy them, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you chose the Colts. I chose the Colts. We both worked out there. I chose the Jaguars. You chose the Lions. Mm-hmm. Really getting my ass kicked this week. Uh, we both chose the Panthers. Who understands what's going on in Chicago? It's not me. Uh, We did both choose the Giants and got that right. We both chose the Chargers, um, which is obviously coming up still. Uh, Miami, we did choose Miami to win that game, and we got that right. I chose the Packers, got that wrong. You chose the Bucks. Uh, I chose the Rams. You chose the Rams. We both got that wrong. Oh, my God, I lost my own game. And then we will have Arizona winning tonight. See what the red rocket can do. God. Um that that's weird. Um I like it though. Big win for me. This is a big weekend for me. I needed this. I needed the Steelers. I needed the Bucks. I needed all of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you have the games in front of you for this week? I do. Okay, so Giants Eagles. What do you think? Uh, I, did you see that Thursday night report from uh, Bill Barnwell on? Yeah, I I don't know, but I guess the Eagles. But like, I don't feel great about it. Sanders is now out. I I don't. The Giants are just that bad. So like, I'm gonna pick the Eagles, but I I feel terrible about it. This is an absolutely do not watch. Un, like just just don't watch this. 
Yeah, I'll take the Eagles, too. I thought they, they played pretty strong towards the end of the game. They almost came back. They're definitely capable of being the Giants. Uh, Saints and Packers. This is an interesting game. Saints and Packers is definitely interesting. Um, Breeze obviously not going downfield at all. Um, this is in Green Bay, right? Yeah, uh, this is in New Orleans. Oh, no, this is in New Orleans. But does it even matter? Yeah, it does. I don't know. Um, I don't think it does. I think the Packers are just better than the Saints this year. I think the Saints still have a Panthers. lot of problems. Uh, give me the Packers here. Panthers. Or the, wait, say it again. Panthers. Yeah, I mean the Panthers. Why did I say Packers? Yeah, the Panthers. I, don't know. I think the Panthers are just. I don't think they're as bad as what happened last week. And you know what's crazy is I think I trust this offense a little bit more than I do the Saints right now. So, in a sense of catching up. I'm going to take the Saints mm. uh, just for the sake of me getting my butt kicked all week. That That's um, – that's how dare you. But I will say this. I, I'm very happy with Teddy Bridgewater this year. Uh, he had he struggled a little bit last week or this week. He actually kind of had some really bad throws. Uh, but as a whole, I think the Panthers are a good team. Um, I still think the Saints win this game. Uh, Bills and Jets, that one's easy. We will be both taking the bills. We will oh. both be taking the bills. Oh, Eric. There's Eric Thompson. Hey. And then, Chase, do you want me to just keep going through these real quick? Yeah, Eric, we are going through the picks this week. So feel free to chime in with any of your picks. And if you want to pick the Vikings, feel free to chime right in, Eric. Well, so, the Vikings are a 6.5 uh, point underdog against the bye this week. So I don't <laughs> think I'll take them. <laughs> uh, okay. Browns, Bengals. Who do you got, Chase? This is suddenly just a. I, Zach Taylor getting a lot of heat this week. Zach Taylor, um, maybe not good. Joe Burrow, obviously better than Justin Herbert, of, as we've decided on this podcast a long time ago. But Never decided that. Um, I think we did. And. I think the Bengals, I don't think, I don't, are we sure Baker's going to play? And then I'm like, are we sure that Case doesn't help them against the Bengals? And I'm going back and forth, but I, I think I'm taking the Bengals. So I'm going to be taking the Bengals. Um, Joe did look very good this week, very different uh, than the week before prior. Um, The one thing I will say is I, I just think it would be hilarious if Case Keenum came in next week and like actually figured out to throw the ball to Odell mm. and and all of a sudden the Browns figure out how to win a football game. I think that would be hilarious and sad and very Browns-esque. So I don't think I'll care to watch this game personally. Uh as as history repeats, it's never really a fun matchup. But uh I'll still take the Bengals too. Eric, what do you think? Uh, it's tough because you don't know what Browns team you're getting from week to week. I still think even if Mayfield is too banged up to play, I mean, the, obviously Keenum and uh, Stefanski have a bit of a history of working together. And I think they're, that might, you know, just the addition by subtraction of big mistakes from Mayfield might be enough for uh, Cleveland to take it. Even if not, it seems like Cleveland might be that kind of, you know, the team that kind of plays to, you know, they'll, they'll look really good against, bad teams and really, really bad against good teams like the Steelers this past weekend. So I'll still lean towards the Browns, but I, didn't, I won't feel good about it. Another yeah. game that nobody should watch. Cowboys at Washington, right? Is that is that next game? Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
Cowboys and Washington. Wow, what a sad game. I guess the Cowboys win, but uh, I will not watch a second of this, I, I will say. Is this going to be on I, your screen at all, Eric? I have doubts, especially with that <laughs> Prescott out of the mix. I mean, that's it's every every NFC East game going forward, and uh, you know, until further notice, is really unwatchable. I mean, that is, there are four bad teams in that division. And at least the Cowboys are pretty entertaining. They, you know, put up and give a, a lot of points. And now it, it kind of remains to be seen what exactly they're going to be going forward. I'd still think Dallas is probably you know by default the best team in that division but yeah it's going to be terrible to watch going forward i think sour where are we going next yeah i mean so i would i will say this i, w- I wish i could see andy dalton play tonight before i made this decision mm. um but i'll take the cowboys too um next we got packers texans Hmm. Uh, go ahead and lock up the packers here uh I, i'm not nervous about aaron Rodgers losing back-to-back um and that back to back being uh the Houston Texans and Romeo Cornell. I'm I'm the betting Texans against Romeo also, Cornell for the rest of the season. The Texans also don't have the defense that the Bucks have, so I think that's fair. They did get a turnover chain or something, I think. I saw Anthony Weaver get something like that. He watched a college game over the weekend, was like, What if we did this? And uh turns out does not help. Um it did not help against the Titans. It's a it's a big big uh whoopsie on their 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 end um i'm nervous about what you're gonna you're gonna ask about next uh yeah well you know i will say this i agree i think the packers win that's obvious uh but i would like to know what you think is going to happen with the atlanta falcons and the lions are they going to get two wins in a row sans dan quinn i think so the Raheem Morris is actually good train. It's in full force. I'm driving the locomotive. I'm driving the just remake the coaching staff around Raheem Morris locomotive. Um, the Lions stink. Still think the Lions stink. And uh, the Falcons offense, as long as Julio's in, in motion, I uh, I believe the, the, the Falcons are going to drop 40 again on another bad NFC North team. So give me the Eric, Falcons at home. Eric, you, you just watched this team <laughs> do horrible indecent terrible things to your your vikings what are your thoughts well i don't think that's uh something that you can kind of go forward and yet again i it, the lions defense is nothing great but i don't think the the falcons are going to find quite as many wide open wide receivers and tight ends and whoever else that matt ryan wanted to throw to <laughs> like yesterday um but that said the lions defense is certainly a work in progress and they could they, they could have i could see gage having a pretty big game because the linebackers i mean kirk cousins couldn't see the linebackers yesterday apparently and i don't know if the lions have linebackers so that'll be actually a fun game when the detroit and minnesota finally face, face off this year i do like detroit's offense though they they finally got swift going uh they again this that's against against a pretty bad uh jaguars team yesterday but i like what that team is a lot different now that Galladay's healthy. And I think, I mean, I, I, I can't wait to see what the over-unders are going to be at for that game. I mean, I'd put it at 60 right now, the way that both of those offenses and defenses are playing. Galladay, Galladay being back is a fun thing. That guy is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so I think we're set there. Uh, I'm excited for you here, Chase. Titans and Steelers, what do you got? I hate this is on the same time as the Falcons game. Um, I guess I'll be doing dual screens here. Um, whew. As the, the captain of the Steelers are the best team in the AFC bandwagon, I, uh, 
I have to keep leaning on my my boys in black and gold and black and yellow, whatever you want to say. Uh, give me the Steelers on the road here. Give me that group in a seventeen thirteen slugfight. Like I, I'm very excited for this game. Who is more intense, Vrabel or Mike Tomlin? I think they could just stare each other into like <laughs> having like stones explode. Uh, can we talk real quick about what the what Mike Vrabel did? Are, are we all yes. familiar with what he did with the timeout? Yeah, or it's not the timeout, but the extra man on the field. One of yeah, the most the extra timeout he basically got from it. Yeah, yeah, literally saved. Basically, for, takes a player and says, "Get on the field." He's like, "What?" Runs out on the field to get a penalty for too many men on the field and saves them about 20 seconds by doing that and taking that penalty. And by doing that, they then go with like eight seconds left and have the go-ahead touchdown to win the game. Time that would not have been on the clock had they not done that is Mike Rabel's low-key a genius. That's like some real Bill Belichick-ass moves. Yeah, I mean, it, it It was a perfect setup. It, it was something that it was obviously premeditated, too, because he, he knew the situation. He knew that was going to get him extra time. You know, it's, it was another clock stoppage on top of the timeouts that he had. And, of course, had it at the end of the half, which isn't always a given for a lot of NFL teams. And that literally might have changed, the, you know, their record. That They were in big trouble. You know, they scored with, what, four seconds left, I think, and to, to force overtime. So it was an absolutely just a, a perfect move at the perfect time. And those little tiny things can make a difference. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm just happy when they don't turn the ball over in the two minute drill, you know, meanwhile, variables pulling all, uh, you know, the bending the rules every way you can. So yeah, it was really impressive. Where are we going next? Thoroughly. Thoroughly. Uh, Seahawks Cardinals, NFC West slugfest. <sighs> this is going to be another sneaky, super high scoring game. Um, I think Jamal Adams gives Kyler a lot of problems here. I can't wait to watch him spy Kyler in this game. Um, give me the Seahawks, but I think the Cardinals are going to be up most of this game and are going to lose in heartbreaking fashion. That's my gut instinct. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. the prototypical Seahawks. I mean, let me just count my blood pressure raising while I talk about this right now as a 49ers fan. But yeah, I... The Seahawks are going to lose this year. It will happen eventually. It's not going to happen against the Cardinals. Um, and I, I don't think they're going to really struggle. I think Kyler Murray is you know, a good quarterback, but they've got the better version of Kyler Murray on their team. That defense goes against Russell Wilson every week. Uh, I think they'll be very prepared for that game. And at the end of the day, the Seahawks are just a better team all around. Uh, yeah, the Seahawks are going to lose. It's just not, it's not happening this week. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you still have questions about. I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game too, just because both of these defenses are have a lot of problems. Um, but having Adams back is going to be big for Seattle. It, Arizona's under that kind of. They're they're fun, but I still think they're a year away from truly contending. Uh, they're going to win some games that they're going to surprise people, but they've already shown us that they can lose a couple games that surprise people as well. So I think it'll be a fun game to watch, but I'd t- still take Seattle as well. Definitely. Definitely. Do we think that the the Broncos and apparently this very good quarterback and Drew Locke, according mm. to Chase, Correct. even though he can't he can't even uh, throw <laughs> for more than like forty percent or complete like thirty five percent of his passes, he can't uh, make his receivers catch. It's not his fault. Okay. 
Save okay. Drew Locke 2020. Okay. okay. So are they going to beat the Chiefs? Is that even a tangible product? Uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs. I think they're going to hang with the Chiefs, though. I do think they're going to hang with the Chiefs. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Chiefs are going to have some problems here. Chiefs have some holes. Lost to the Raiders at home. It. Uh, I, I don't think the Chiefs are unbeatable, but I do think they have... The Raiders are just built a little bit differently than uh, than the Broncos, and I... I think the Chiefs will be fine here and will win, but I do think this is sneaky close. Late, I do. Yeah, I I don't I don't even know how close it is. Just because the Chiefs are going to score at least you know twenty eight thirty one points almost by accident every week. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. Denver gets there, even against the Chiefs' deep defense, which is there are definitely holes to attack there. It's just I I don't know how Dulac and how beat up the Broncos currently are could you know really hang with it i think it could be something where you know you're kind of checking the score at halftime it's like oh it's only 10 to 7 chiefs so you know the broncos are hanging around and then all of a sudden you turn on you know halfway through the the, the third quarter and it's 24 to 7 instead so but it, it i can see the broncos defense giving the chiefs some problems because they're the I, I don't know if you even call it a book on the the Chiefs offense, but if you keep everything in front of you, you can kind of stop the bleeding on defense. They're still going to score their points, like I said, but it's, it's the Raiders have shown kind of the formula of it's it, but I just don't think that Denver has the horses on, uh, to, no pun intended on offense to, to hang with the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the Chiefs are one of the better teams in the NFL. They have the best quarterback in the NFL. It's going to take a good team to beat the beat the Chiefs. Obviously, the Raiders kind of caught them off guard. I don't see that happening twice that quickly next to each other. So I imagine the Chiefs will do just fine. Uh, now, to the Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, Justin Herbert and the, the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what do you think, Chase? I mean, the Chargers are going to win this. This this is obvious, but um, I, I resent the uh, the implication that Joe Burrow is not the the best quarterback of this rookie class, as we as we know. Eric, can you settle this once and for all? You're the tie-breaking vote: Burrow or Herbert? <laughs> oh, Burrow, especially long there term. We I go. think uh, Herbert there we might have case done. I think, case closed. I think this is why have... I really want to okay, bring but... Eric on. This is perfect. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> First off, Eric has been watching Kate, uh, Kirk Cousins for for how long now? Are we really going to trust an opinion? Like that's what he has to stare at all day long. We're going to trust his opinion. No, on that quarterbacks? means he appreciates good quarterbacking. <laughs> no, he's had to he, suffer through bad exactly. quarterbacking. If I watched Ren and Stimpy every week <laughs> for two years. I would not want my opinion on an Aaron Sorkin TV show. I'm just saying it might be diluted. We might need to get him some rehab, right? Get him to watch some, you know, some better football <laughs> games and not be forced to watch Kirk Cousins throw three picks. That's all I'm saying. I, but if you're talking about just rookie of the year, Herbert might have better numbers for that. Cause I think he's on a much better team than Joe Burrow, <laughs> but going for, I, I think overall it's, and of course, you know, there is a, uh, uh, one very very bright spot on uh, the Minnesota Vikings you know, who might be in that uh, that conversation for rookie of the year again it's it's always going to default to a quarterback but uh, Justin Jefferson is actually doing pretty darn well too so I'll just hand it to one of those quarterbacks right away all right I'm going to allow a wide receiver being in the conversation just because your season's been just absolute dog shit uh, Eric but uh, Justin he's Jefferson ahead of is Randy not Moss's winning pace, of the year. but yeah I, I, he, he probably won't as long as those two quarterbacks play the whole season there's no way that Jefferson does but no. he's putting up pretty outstanding numbers 
How many NFL teams right now are beating the shit out of themselves for not taking Justin De- Jefferson before the Vikings? The well, Packers I know the one that took, took uh, Eglo, or that yeah, the Packers. Well, how about the Eagles? I mean, the one that they did take before, right? The literally the pick before Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I think he might be actually turn out to be pretty good himself, but after being banged up and the, the help that they so badly need in Philadelphia. But yeah, there are a lot of teams that could really use Justin Jefferson right now. Absolutely. So this is a very interesting game. Uh, a lot's changed in the last 24 hours. San Francisco 49ers will be pay- playing the New England Patriots. Chase, do you think your boy can make a comeback here? Uh... Yes, I do think Cam and the Patriots take care of the Niners at home here. I don't think they're going to two and four. I uh, two and three is already insane for Belichick, but two and four and against his own Jimmy Garoppolo, his old protege, the guy he, the one that got away um, against his wishes. I, I think uh, they'll come to play and they'll they'll be fine. I, I I like the Pats here. I gotta say the Forty ers have obviously struggled very mightily. Uh, against mobile quarterbacks but as we saw yesterday cam newton can rush for 76 yards and score a touchdown and they'll still get stomped um so i'm going to take the 49ers here but on the caveat that if we we got to see the similar cornerback play uh and you know really hopefully the the interior defensive line shuts down the run game and it kind of forces cam to only be able to run uh and, and only gives him those options so i'll take the i'll take the niners yeah, this one's tough because both teams are nowhere near the, what they what we assume that full strength would be. You know, at this especially at this point of the season, but I, I kind of have to lean towards the Niners myself just because. Again, I, I hate to be you know too much recency bias because it looked like they were in big trouble heading into um, yesterday last night's game, and it looked like the Patriots were probably going to stomp all over Denver going into that game last week. So maybe both teams flip around. I wouldn't you know feel too confident picking either way, but I'd probably lean towards San Francisco just because they're, they're getting a little healthier. And I think that they, they just might have more talent. I mean, if you look at both rosters, if the, uh, everyone's available, you know, San Francisco still has one of the best rosters in the league. It's just that they're missing so many players. If they're getting a little healthier, I'll still lean that way. Definitely. Definitely. All right. And then rapid fire, because we only got a couple minutes left. Uh, Bucks and Raiders. I'm taking the after. This is after you. great. I'm excited about this. The John Gruden Bowl. I know, right? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> I'm I'm taking the Bucks just after watching that defense last uh, yesterday play. Um, but you know, that's all I got. Give me the Raiders. I'm buying back in on Derek Carr. Buying back in on this group. If Henry <laughs> Ruggs plays, that those offensive numbers are insane when he's on the field. Give me that ground and pound with Jacobs and friends. Give me that offensive line standing up against that Nadomkin Sioux group of pass rushers in Tampa. Give me Tampa going down to Gruden in Vegas on primetime. Derek Carr is back, and I am all the way back in on the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> as they march back into the playoffs. Give Tampa time is over. Let's go, Gruden. Whew, felt good. I mean, I'm I'm really happy how exciting this game is because I had no faith in especially Derek Carr. I think of uh, the two players that have made me eat the most crow this year have definitely been Josh Allen and Derek Carr. I mean, Carr, it, that game in Kansas City was uh, it was amazing. He had a lot of great deep throws, and that was kind of always a knock on him. 
I'm still going to lead towards Tampa Bay because I think they still have a better team overall. They have a ton of weapons. I mean, Mike Evans, what do you have, 30 yards yesterday? And they still won by a 28 against an undefeated team. So they have so many weapons that they can still use. And the Raiders, you know, they still allowed 32 points to the Chiefs. I don't know if they're going to connect on that many deep balls. And the the, the Bucks defense really showed up to play at, uh, on Sunday. So I'll lean Tampa Bay still, but I would not be surprised for another big uh, Raiders win. And I can't believe I'm saying that. All right. And then here we go. Uh, the, the, the train of easy, easy schedule continues for the bears after what happened to the Rams this week, they get to play the Rams. Uh, are the bears about to go six and one? No, I'm taking, no, 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 Rams. no, 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 they're not going to six and one. This, the Rams bounce back here. Sean McVay's group's still good. Um, no, the Rams are winning this game. Lock it up. The Rams are beating the Bears, and I'm speaking this into existence because I will not put up with this Bears bullshit anymore. It ends on this podcast today. No more Bears bullshit 2020. I, I got to say this. There's no reason for them for me to root for a division rival to win, but I'm so fucking tired of Chicago fans and Chicago Bears and Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. They do not deserve to have that kind of success. With Nick Foles, and Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> enough is enough. Yeah, this is, I I write for a team that plays in the NFC North, and now they are in first freaking place. At least with the Packers, it was tolerable. It's like, okay, I get it. They have Aaron Rodgers. He's a resurgence. There is nothing that good about this Chicago team. Nothing. Well, their defense is really good, I guess. But everything else is like, how? How are they 5-1? and one? They seem to do this every, like, three or four years. And then, of course, you know, the – what they they usually follow it up with like a four and twelve season. So I'm looking forward to next year already for the Bears. But no, I can't, this team cannot be six and one and uh, leading the NFC North almost halfway through the season. They aren't that good. And I am yes, I am with you guys. I am sick of seeing this team win and pull wins out of their asses. Yes, the Rams aren't all of a complete team, but they rarely put up two stinkers like that in a row under Sean McVay. So I I gotta go with LA. There we go. All right. right. Well, we all got to wrap up here. Eric, um, thank you for getting the Falcons back on track on Sunday. I greatly appreciate those boys in purple doing us a service and uh, getting the Raheem Morris uh, experience into a a great start. So thank you for that. Um, Apologies on the Kirk Cousins guaranteed contract. I don't know what to tell you on that front other than good luck, sir. Um, Evan Sowards. Congratulations well, on a win. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor Eric. All right. Did this help, Eric? Oh, yeah, hey. Yeah. You know, it did. It helped me vest a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just, I'm just i glad the Falcons saved your sports weekend because, I mean, if we want to go over the All Bears right, that'll do it for today's podcast. I appreciate everybody for coming out. You can find us on chasethomaspodcast.com. You can follow me at chasethom underscore Thomas. You can find Eric at Eric underscore J underscore Thompson and read him at the Daily Norseman. And uh, Evan, we can follow you at Evan Sowards. Thank you, guys. And uh, thank you for not wrapping up on an Atlanta sports weekend. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> <All right>, bye. <laughs>
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.